0: and visit Bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: Live from MMA Fighting Studios,
0: this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck.
2: The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Hope everyone is having a lovely week. Hope everyone has big plans on the weekend without a UFC telecast for the first time in a long time as we prepare ourselves for UFC 273 next Saturday night in Jacksonville, Florida. What an event it will be. We'll talk a lot about 273 next week on the show and throughout all of our programming on MMA Fighting. A lot of big fights in that card. Some rivalries will be settled on a big stage. But let me just say this. There is not... A fight on that card. Not one single fight on that card. A rivalry, if you will, on that card that even holds a candle to the one that will be featured on this here program today. One of the biggest non-title matchups in the history of BTL. Let's get right into it. Let us introduce the participants first. Making his BTL debut. You see him twice a week on the MMA Hour giving his picks. Shouting out all the big wins of the week from an MMA betting perspective. Let us welcome to the program, Mr. GC himself, Connor Burks. How are you, sir? Welcome to the program.
3: I'm doing fantastic, Mike. Thank you for having me. When you first invited me, I was really excited. I wanted to come on. When you told me who it was going to be against, at that point, I needed to come on.
2: (laughs) I love it. And his opponent, an MMA hour mainstay. I mean, the man has his own freaking theme song on the show for crying out loud. Also one of the legends behind the MMA Fighting social media squad is We welcome back, Eric New York, Rick Jackman to the show. How are you, sir?
1: I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me. Um, I'll note that that iconic theme song, the most legendary theme song there is, was created by you, and I thank you for that. I think we even did a little good for charity with it. Um, so how about us? Uh, how about us?
2: How about us? The rivalry begins. Look at this. Whoever would have thought it. We saw them side-by-side on the MA Hour. They were debating about the slap heard around the world, but now we're going to debate some topics in the world of mixed martial arts. So let's get into this thing, and let's begin with one Nate Diaz because he has been a big topic of conversation over the last couple of months, more so over the last five or six days because on Saturday, Diaz takes to Twitter and tells the UFC and tells the world, I want out. I want you to release me. I have asked you many times to fight. I've wanted to fight ASAP, and you're just not giving it to me, so get me out of here. Now, Connor. let's begin with you, because we all know the UFC is not going to release Nate Diaz, although they should, especially if they don't have anything for him right now. But when you saw him take to Twitter on Saturday and say, flat out, I want to be released, how did you react? What did you think he was trying to accomplish with that tweet, knowing full well he's not going to get released?
3: Yeah, first and foremost, uh, I think my reaction was the fact that he tagged at Hunter, uh, you know, in lieu to Hunter Campbell. I thought that was fantastic stuff. And then at Hunter, who doesn't even know who Nate Diaz is, comes into the comments in full support of Nate Diaz. So just from there, I thought this was incredible stuff. My my knee jerk reaction is just like, I don't know what's going to happen with this situation. I don't know what he's trying to accomplish by always going to Twitter. He clearly just wants to get a fight. And... I don't think the UFC is going to release him like you said, but I do think he's going to fight for the UFC at some point in this year. At some point in 2022, I think Nate Diaz does fight, uh, maybe even his last fight in the UFC.
2: Eric, Nate Diaz has not gotten the credit he has deserved in terms of, quote, playing the game, right? The guy has actually been one of the very best at playing the game, a phenomenal chess player from a business sense, even though he kind of comes off much different. But what does this latest move... In the chess game that is negotiating with the UFC, what does that say to you, knowing that you can put it out there, put out the release, but it ain't going to happen 99.9%?
1: Yeah, this is what Nate Diaz has in his arsenal, though. He is able to put um, public pressure on the UFC because behind the scenes, he's locked into a contract that he's not going to be able to get out of and UFC is going to hold him to. Um, They're also going to play the game where they offer him fights that he's going to turn down. That's then going to extend his contract. There's a certain level caliber of fighter that Nate Diaz wants to fight right now. Fights that make sense for him. um, And they're not offering him those fights. So uh, this is what he has. He has the ability to go to Twitter and put public pressure on the UFC to say, hey, I want this fight. And for what it's worth, he seems to have support from Dustin Poirier uh, Jake Paul, many others who can also put pressure on the UFC. Um, so this is, this is all he's got, uh, and he's maximizing what he's able to do with it. Do I ultimately think it will lead to his release? No. Do I ultimately think he will fight for the UFC in 2022? Yes. Uh, but in the meantime, he's using the only hand uh, that he can play and doing it effectively.
2: Yeah. I mean, both of you believe he's going to fight I mean, he's got one fight left on this deal. UFC clearly wants to keep him around because why wouldn't you? They don't need to keep him around, but they want to keep him around because why send him over to Jake Paul's promotion and just have him box and make a gajillion dollars? They obviously want to extend him before he says yes to whatever fight. And Nate doesn't seem all that interesting in, in doing that right now and extending his his one fight deal and making it five fights or what what have you. And they won't even give him the fight with Dustin Poirier. Like literally everybody seems to want that fight. Fighters want it. Fans want it. The media wants it. Everybody seems to want this fight. Everybody seems to be on board, but the UFC. So dear Crick, you think he's coming back. You think he will fight in 2022, but how confident are you in that? Like one to 10, are you like a six? Are you higher than that? Like, do you think we will definitely see him in 2022? How confident are you?
1: Yeah, I'm fairly confident because I think they're at a stalemate and I I think there's, One thing you said I'd I'd push back a little bit against, which is that they don't want to give him the fight. I think they want to give him Dustin Poirier. I think they just want him to re-sign on a new deal before they do that. I don't think they have any problem. They'd drop Dustin Poirier into his lap uh, if he'd re-sign a new deal. Um, I think ultimately he will. I think ultimately he'll just see his his career and his time passing him by, um, and he will ultimately end up fighting this year uh, and re-signing a deal. I think the terms of that deal will probably be more favorable – than it typically would have been in the past. I think Nate Diaz is somebody who probably would have tried to stay with the UFC for longer uh, previously. I think the deal will be a little more favorable to him. But I think they'll be able to work something out where it makes sense for Nate Diaz to resign, maybe on a shorter-term contract, uh, and ultimately fight in 2022.
2: All right, Connor. let me ask you this. You feel like he's going to fight in 2022. Let's say that does happen. He does have a fight in 2022. Will he fight in the UFC in 2023? Wow. That's a great question. Uh, I don't think so. I think
3: that he's working this uh, to actually find his way out of the UFC. I think this will be the last fight in his contract. Uh, And I think that he goes after one more fight in the
2: UFC and uh,
3: actually tries to set up a boxing match with Jake Paul.
2: Which he should. Make that money, son. So who does he fight, Connor? Who does he fight? Let's say the UFC does this. You would think they're, they're going to lean to the Connor fight for, for multiple reasons. One, because it's the most lucrative fight they can make. And two, Connor doesn't have a lot left on his deal as well. So the UFC is thinking, if we're going to do this trilogy fight, we're going to do it in our cage since we had the first two fights because there's a very good chance if both those guys are out of the UFC, they'll just come together and book that third fight on their own and keep all of the money, and the UFC doesn't get any of it. So do you think it's Connor? Do you think they pulled the trigger on the Poirier fight? Do you think it's somebody else?
3: Yeah, well, you mentioned the Dustin Poirier fight. I mean, not only do the fans want to see it, I guess the Sportsbook want to see it, too. You know, our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, the only book up with odds right now. They have Dustin Poirier as a minus 435 favorite right now going into that one. Uh, so we're not the only ones that want to see it. Uh, I don't think that's going to inevitably happen. I think they already would have done it if they were going to do that. There's also maybe a Jorge Masvidal with all the drama surrounding him right now. Uh, there would be huge hype around that. But you took the words out of my mouth. I do think the reason that they're long gaming this, the reason that they're so quiet, that they're taking so long to give him his fight, I think they want to give him the Conor McGregor match. I think it's like what you said. They only see so much time with these two guys staying within the organization and they want to make this trilogy match happen. They want the rubber match. So I think they're inevitably trying to set that one up.
2: I know Ek is a is a favorite of a lot of these programs, but could you have picked a better still photo of me, Ek? For the love of God, I mean that is terrible. Connor looking like a million bucks. E- New York Rick's is kind of hanging out, chilling, and I'm just looking like like that. I'm looking like I'm 147 years old. But do you agree with Connor? New York Rick is. Do you think we'll see Nate Connor three, or will it be Nate versus Poirier? Will it be Nate versus somebody else?
1: I think it depends on when ultimately Diaz decides. Um, to do this because I can't see a world. I I believe I heard somebody on this, on this chat say that they believe that it would be Nate Diaz last fight. So they believe that he's going to fight Conor McGregor and then the UFC is going to let him walk over to fight Jake Paul. That doesn't really seem like a likely scenario for me. That doesn't seem like how the UFC does business. Um, I do ultimately think they could convince him to take the Conor McGregor fight. But I think that would come with re-signing and then obviously not going off to boxing. Um, I also think there's a possibility where he gets anxious and is tired of waiting around and ultimately does agree to fight uh, Dustin Poirier and then uh, maybe Conor McGregor later in the year. If Conor McGregor is to be believed, he thinks he's going to be back sooner rather than later. I'm not so sure. Um, so ultimately, I think I think he will fight Dustin um, and I think he will fight a new contract and uh, sign a new contract. And then maybe he gets that Conor fight later. Uh, but there's some money to be made for Nate Diaz fighting Dustin. And then that Connor trilogy is always there. Um, it will not be his last fight for the promotion. I don't, I don't think there's a way that it would be his last fight. And then he moves to boxing. He's either uh, be with the UFC or wait it out.
2: I talked all about this. I gave my thoughts on heck of a morning this morning and I think we can all agree the way the UFC handles these situations, especially now with all the money they're bringing in, is just incredibly dumb. Just book him a fight or let him go. Like, what are we doing here? Nate's a star. I get it, but it doesn't affect your overall bottom line if you let Nate go or just throw him in a fight and then he goes off afterwards. Because if he goes in there and fights Dustin Poirier, the odds, I kind of look at the odds that Connor just gave from the sports book is pretty accurate. Like Dustin has a very good chance of winning that fight. And then, you know, maybe they look at his as Nate's stock drops a little bit, although that is not true because he is a big star and he could just show up at a Jake Paul fight and people will go gaga over him. But we will move on. Let's see what we're going to do between the UFC and Nathan Diaz. We'll take a look back on the stars of UFC Columbus in round two, but the point for round one goes to... Corporate Mike is giving the point to gc because wow plug in the sponsor plug in the sponsor very well Ooh. done i mean that's just a professional move right there great great work wow. great work yeah you know, quick don't make that face you've been on the show long enough to know what's about to happen it's all <laughs> gonna come down to the end and by the way i'm giving away points but we all know that they're kind of faux points there will be a poll sometime it may be up now Where you guys can vote on who wins the scrudge match between New York Rick and GC. So once that poll is in there, make sure you vote. I know AK will be very excited to see a poll somewhere on this YouTube channel. So good night at the office for several fighters this past Saturday in Columbus, Ohio. But two guys stood out the most. In my opinion, their stocks rose the most when it comes to being in world championship discussions. We could throw Manny Fioro, we could throw Alex Grasso in there as well, but I'm talking about one, Curtis Blades, who closed the show with the big finish of Chris Dacus in the main event, second round TKO, had a name in mind for the future, and with DC's help, he kind of had two names in mind, and then he gets the MMA hour rub. I feel like he had a tremendous week, and I feel like his stock rose quite a bit on Saturday, New York Rick. How do you grade Curtis Blades' as night, his performance, the aftermath, etc.?
1: Yeah, A-plus for Curtis Blades. I mean, considering the circumstances where it's believed and he admitted on the MMA Hour that he wasn't in best standing with the UFC, um, had been at odds with Dana White going into press conferences talking about he's not there to entertain, he's just there to win. Um, And he decided that uh, he was going to change his tune and change the way he fights uh, and fight to the potential that I believe he has, which um, I can get to in a little bit, but... A plus for how he turned it around there, went in there looking like a striker, uh, didn't even shoot for a takedown once and knocked uh, Dawkins clean out. So um, it is hard to do better than he did um, in that fight against the guy that everybody thought was a rising prospect. He put uh, that hype train uh, off the tracks uh, with one punch and uh, maybe a few more on the follow up where they needed. Probably not. uh, Could have stepped in there a little sooner. Uh, But A plus for Curtis Blades. No doubt in my mind, uh, the performance that he needed uh, and absolutely delivered. In uh, in Columbus,
2: Connor, your thoughts on Blades' performance on Saturday, the callouts afterwards, dealing with DC, kind of poking and prodding for the steep call callout, how he handled the no selling press conference, may hour appearance, etc. How would you grade the last five days of his life?
3: I'm in mean, an A plus as well. I'm kind of in agreement with New York Rick here. I mean the fact that he went into the to the fight with Dawkins and he made it. Solely a standing matchup. I mean, he didn't even go for one takedown when we know that all he does is typically chain wrestle in these fights. He proved that he can fight in the standup and he can get knockouts. Comes on the MMA hour afterward, admits that that was the entire plan going into that. He wanted to get into better standing with the UFC. So, I mean, we know how sick of a wrestler he is. If he can get his striking game to match his wrestling, he's going to be a huge threat to get a title in the heavyweight division. As far as the callouts go, I, I liked him, but I didn't really see the steep A1 as much of a call-out, as much as I did sort of giving homage to a legend, Stipe didn't really have any interest uh, in what he was having to say. I don't think that matchup gets made. Uh, so I didn't really view that as a call-out. But as far as the Gone one goes, I would be all down to see that happen.
2: Now, for those who watch the MMA Hour, they listen to the MMA Hour, and they look to GC for his gambling advice, he told you to take a look at Kaikar France as a pretty big underdog against Askar Askarov. And I will say that I agreed with him when I made my official MMA fighting staff picks. I picked Kai Kara France to win. Huge win for KKF. Judges got it right. No robbery. He moves on to big things. Quite possibly a flyweight title shot. So, Connor, you nailed it. That was a big win for KKF. We know he will have his chance at a UFC title eventually. I think all of us thought he'd get his chance at some point, win or lose against Askarov. But in your eyes, even though you picked him to win... How much did his stock soar up in victory on Saturday, defeating a guy that a lot of people feel might be the actual toughest style matchup in this entire division?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the only way that it could have risen more if he had gotten a finish on Askar Askarov. I mean, he showed out. He was a plus 300 underdog. He did exactly what he needed to do. I know Askarov dominated the first round. He bounced back in the second round, had it 1-1 going into the third round. And he was able to get it done. And now, in my opinion, I think he secured himself a title shot, no matter if he gets it next against Figueredo or if he has to wait after the fourth one and go there. I think the next time he steps into the octagon, it will be for a title fight. Uh, so, short of finishing him, I don't think his stock could have risen anymore on Saturday.
2: I will say, I wish Demetrius Johnson was still in the UFC because we think UFC could probably put together Kai Kaikar France versus Demetrius Johnson. I would watch the hell out of that right now in a number one contender fight, but... That obviously can't happen, New York Rick. So what did you think of KKF's performance and you know just how much did his stock rise in your eyes after beating a a really tough dude in Askar Askarov?
1: Yeah, I think it rose a lot. More more importantly, uh the champion decided that his stock rose. Uh the champion, Davison Figueroa, and and his coach, uh Coach Eric and, and his coach Henry Cejudo, decided uh that his stock rose um and decided that it would not be Uh, Brandon Moreno next he decided that he would like the challenge of Kaikara France Uh, so more importantly than winning fan sentiment I think he caught the eye of the champion for one reason or another Um, and that is going to be the thing that ultimately makes the difference I think the champion wants to fight him now you know it was reported uh, by Ariel Hawani that they were looking to do that fight in July the sorry the fourth fight they were looking to do uh, Figueroa versus Moreno in July today Uh, our own Guillerme Cruz released an article where he spoke to Figueredo and it doesn't seem like he's going to be back till October, or November. That to me means there's plenty of time for Moreno to get a fight potentially maybe against Kaikara France. There's plenty of time for uh, them both to sit out and wait to see who gets that opportunity toward end of year. Uh, So I think there's a, there's a real potential that Kaikara France may jump the line uh, and get his ticket and fight next for the title. Uh, before Moreno gets gets uh, that fourth fight, so huge night for Brent uh, for uh, Kai Kara France couldn't have gone better. Finish, no finish, doesn't really matter. The champion wants him; he wants the champion. It seems like it's inevitable at this point, and may even be next, uh, which I'm looking forward to.
2: All right, so let's put ourselves in in the UFC matchmaker shoes. How do we book these fights? How do we make the most money? Who will fight for the title first, Eric, interim or not? Who will be on the poster of a title fight first? Who will step in the octagon competing for a championship first? Curtis Blades or Kaikar France and why?
0: If we're including interim,
1: it's a no-brainer. It's Curtis Blades. Um, as I said, Figueiredo is going to be out for a bit, um, or at least is assuming that he's going to be out for a bit while he recovers from from injured hands. Um, I could see a world where Curtis Blades is fighting for an interim title, which we know will be established at this point. Francis Ngannou is sitting out. Um, and the UFC's heavyweight division has to move on. I could see a world where Curtis Blades this summer into, into late end of year uh, is fighting in that interim title opportunity. So um, it's going to be Curtis Blades. And I think, quite frankly, the man deserves it. Like he has three losses in his pro and amateur career, uh, and they are two to Francis and Gunn and one to Derek Lewis, all three by, by knockout. Uh, I think you can give somebody a pass for losing by knockout to, to those two opponents three times. Um, Francis is on the shelf uh Derek Lewis is falling down the rankings it doesn't seem like there's anybody in the way of Curtis Blades uh achieving his potential and becoming a UFC champion so uh I think it's more interesting to ask who's going to win it first quite frankly uh but I do think it will be Curtis Blades fighting for it first uh if I had to pick
2: all right well who do you think is going to win it first
1: Curtis Blades as well
2: (laughs) (laughs) well said well said I disagree with you New York, Rick, and, and one thing that you said, and I'll get to that in a moment, but do you agree with him, Connor? Do you think Curtis Blades will fight for, even if it's an interim title? Like, let's just say July, they need to fill that interim title fight. They got to get on International Fight Week. You think Curtis Blades is that guy, or do you think he's going to have to wait and maybe KKF gets a shot first?
3: Yeah, I'm actually going to disagree with New York Rick here. I, I, I was expecting more disagreement because I thought uh, New York Rick scored the fight for Askar Askarov, actually. I didn't know that he was just going to accept my boy KKF getting it done uh, this weekend so easily. I will say that KKF will get the title shot first solely because, in my opinion, the next time that he steps in the octagon, it will be for a title fight where we can't be guaranteed that with Curtis Blades. There's Taito Ivasa, there's Cyril gone. We really don't know the matchup that the UFC is looking to make. I am in agreement with New York Rick that I think Curtis Blades does, agree, does deserve a title shot, but it's not guaranteed where, in my eyes, I think the next time Kai Kara France fights, I think it'll be for a title.
2: Yeah, I just, I, I, I think Tai Tuivasa, if they can't, obviously they want Stepe and John Jones. I have, I'm starting to lose hope. I was very positive on that. I'm losing hope, okay? But Tai Tuivasa, like if I'm Stepe and you want a big fight, Tai Tuivasa is a pretty big fight and a very winnable fight for you. So I would think Tai Tuivasa is in the on-deck circle, for sure. Because if you're going to put him in a title fight, you got to do it now. Because... Chances are if you put Ty in a fight with Tommy Aspinall or Curtis Blades or even Cyril Gunn, let's be honest, he's not going to be favored in that fight. And there's a good chance stylistically he probably loses those fights. So if you're going to get Ty into a title fight, you got to do it now. Strike while the iron is hot. You know what I'm saying? And then you got Gunn and then you got Tommy Aspinall. You got a list of guys who have claim to this fight right now. And Curtis could get it, and I'm with you, Rick. If he gets in that fight, there's a very good chance he wins that fight and becomes the interim champion. But the UFC isn't looking at it as like, hmm, who's the guy that is more likely to win the title? They're thinking about it as who is the guy who's going to draw the most eyeballs and make us pay 75 bucks. I don't know if Curtis plays that guy, although he took a step forward on Saturday, New York, Rick. I will say that. The promo was good. Usually he doesn't spit hot fire on the mic, and this wasn't hot fire, but this is a very good. This is very good. He had a name ready to go. He was prepared.
1: Ty to Ivasa versus Stipe Miocic, I don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. It's, it, it seems like it's, it's more set up for Curtis versus Stipe, if anything. And hey, why not? If Stipe doesn't like any of those options and is waiting for John Jones or, or a rematch for, uh, the real belt, uh, why not do Ty versus Curtis Blades? I think there's too many permutations that Curtis Blades is the perfect fit for, whether it be against Stipe, because Let's face it, Taito Iwasa is not a headliner yet, right? Like he hasn't been in that position where Blades and Stipe Miocic are proven uh, commodities. Aspinall, you know, getting his first crack at that. Blades is the one who's been here, done that. There's a little prestige behind it. I think that title fight makes a lot more sense from a uh, meritocracy standpoint. I'm not going to be the one who argues that the UFC is a meritocracy, but it just makes more sense. Uh, Taito Iwasa, sure, if he's given that opportunity run with it, take advantage of it. And and I just can't see Steve Miocić opting into that fight. I think that Curtis Blades makes a lot makes a lot more sense.
2: Meritocracy be damned. But he also <laughs> wants the gone fight. And he even after even in the post fight press conference, he didn't even talk about the title. He said if I fight Cyril Ghan and beat Cyril Gone, my next fight will be for the belt. Undisputed interim or not, I will have a title fight next. So my thought is, if the UFC does go to France, they do go to Paris, GC, why not do Cyril Gane versus Curtis Blades main event there? Why not? Like, Gane gets the hometown rub, Curtis gets to take that massive chip on his shoulder and expand it even more, and which fighter on Earth doesn't want to travel to Paris and headline a card? Especially a historic one like that. So there's still high stakes if you fight Cyril Gane. you know, September, October, November. He's not in any rush, Curtis Blades with one more win. If he beats Cyril gone, there's no denying this man 1000% he's fighting for a title.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I can't really think of a reason not to do it, I guess, other than the fact that you said about, uh, who can make them the most money. If you made it Cyril gone versus tied to uh, in Paris, I mean, that's, that's, that might sell more tickets in that situation. But, uh, in that case, is it a hundred percent certain that it will be for, uh, a title if it's for an, uh, for a title against Cyril if it's in Paris, No. Just a main event. doesn't need to be for a title. So. so let's say it's a main event. That's kind of what I'm saying in this situation. We just named all these names. The heavyweight division is a little bit more crowded than uh, than the flyweight division right now. There's only two names. It's Brandon Moreno. <laughs> or it's Kai Cara Ferrand. So that goes back to my point on why I think that KKF will get the title shot first.
2: These are the kinds of conversations you want to have your name mentioned in if you're Curtis Blades. Because... Heading into Saturday, didn't think we'd we'd be having these kinds of conversations with Curtis Blades. As good as he is, but he had a tremendous night and now he is in these conversations. So a tremendous night for him. Kaikar France, tremendous night for him. Both guys a thousand percent deserve to be mentioned on this program, deserve to be in these conversations. So we are halfway home in regulation. We're gonna get interesting now. The point for round two goes to New York, Rick, it is one-to-one. The magic fingers paid off. Nicely done. The
0: Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ, Patchy Mix, defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.
2: All right, so let's have some fun, all right? Let's play a little game of over-under. And I'm going to credit 1,000% to the Prince of Positivity, my best friend, A.K. Lee, for bringing this question to light on the MMA Fighting Ranking Show, which, by the way, in case you've been living under a rock or in a cave the last several months, MMA Fighting Global Rankings best rankings in the sport not a debate but anyways ranking show ak presents a very interesting question that i will present to each of you gentlemen we have six ufc title fights coming up between now and june 12th ufc 273 ufc 274 ufc 275 we got volkanovsky korean zombie next saturday we got sterling versus john next saturday we got olivera gaethje Nama Yunus Esparza at 274. And then in June in Singapore, we have Tashera Perhashka and Shevchenko Santos. So GC, we're going to begin with you here. We're setting the over-under at two and, a half, two and a half. How many new undisputed champions will we see between now and June 12th? Do you think less than two and a half or more than two and a half and why?
3: This is an absolute no-brainer for me. Uh, we are counting Jan if he beats Aljamain Sterling as And New, correct? Correct. So this is an absolute no-brainer for me. If it, if DraftKings Sportsbook wanted to put up a line on this, even if it was a pretty heavy favorite, I would hammer the over here. I think Piotr Jan will be And New. I think Yuri Prohash will be And New. And now you're sitting at two. You only need one more with four title shots to go between Volkanovski, Korean Zombie, Rose, Carla, Olives, Gaichi, and Valentina, Tyler Santos. I think there is one upset. Of those four, and I think we easily get to three. I'm, I would be hammering the over two and a half in this situation.
2: Eric, are you hammering the over as well? Or are you going under here? Are you being a little more conservative? Do you have more faith in the undisputed champions right now? Or at least uh, the non-interim champions in this, in this equation?
1: Yeah, unlike what I just heard, I actually looked at all six matchups instead of just hoping and praying <laughs> for a shot that one of the four uh, hits after picking two. He's about to say Alger.
0: We're just going
1: to rattle them off one by one. Volkanovski <laughs> Zombie and still, right? Sterling Jan. Here we go. <laughs> and get still. the breaking news music ready. Yeah. And, yeah. Still. Good and still. Good luck. Good luck. What?
3: You wow. I love it. Oliver he's got some, in some inside scoop that, that Algermain's in good shape or something. So he's going to take the, the plus 350 flyer <laughs> on it. I think it's his real estate agent or something that told him. Aljamain Sterling
1: and still after Saturday UFC 274 Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje and new and new one of those one of those prayers that JC is throwing up uh hits when when Gaethje becomes a champion Rose Nami Yunus versus Carla Esparza and still Glover Teixeira versus Yuri Prohaska, and new Valentina Shevchenko versus Tyla Santos and still so the only new champions that I'm looking at are Justin Gaethje and Yuri Prohaska. And still
2: hammering the under like
1: weight it. champion of the world, Aljamain Sterling. Oh,
2: okay, man. so I have I have to dive in a little further with this, New York Rick, because I, I think sure. and you said I, I think we all believe that Valentina Shevchenko will defeat Tyler Santos. Volkovsky is yep. a big favorite over the Korean zombie. Still a hell of a matchup, but I feel like those are the two, like if you ask anybody and you said pick, pick pick the two locks, if you will, the, the the ones you're most confident in, those are the two you would be probably be most confident in. So outside of those two, who are you personally favoring most to leave as undisputed champion between the other eight fighters? So you mentioned, like, even, even the 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 ones who retain, like, who are you the most confident in walking out undisputed champion, not named Valentina Shevchenko or Alexander Volkanovsky?
1: Yeah, funny enough, it's it's one of the new champions. I have no doubt in my mind that Justin Gaethje is going to win the belt. No doubt, it is it is not even a question in my mind. Wow. Um, that, man, that man is built for this, uh, and he is going to be the next lightweight champion. I mean, it hurts me. It hurts me because as as somebody who's been in this game for a long time and really loves what Charles Oliver has been able to do and counter a lot of the the fake narratives that have that have been written about him, uh, I just don't see a path to victory against Justin Gaethje. I think that man is a demon, uh, and he is the one I'm most confident in uh, outside of the two fights that you took away.
2: Yep. What say you, Connor? Not Valentina, not Volko. Who are you most confident in walking out as champion? I mean... Well, first of all, Rick, you don't see one path to victory for Charles Oliveira
3: against Justin Gaethje. <laughs> this man who has the most submissions in UFC history can't take this dude's back and choke him out like he does to everybody else. No. No,
2: no not okay. a path to
3: victory. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, in my opinion, I got Pyotr Jan and Yuri Prohoshka and new. No. I'm, I'm with you that Volkanovski is going to get it done against Korean Zombie. I'm not as confident in Valentina as I am in Volkanovski in this fight. Tyler Santos is 19 and one. She's we. I mean, we don't know her ceiling. We don't know how how great she could be. Crazy upsets happen. Rose, Carla. I mean, Rose is, is far from a lock in this situation. Carla Esparza. She's already beaten her once. I know Rose is undefeated in rematches, but there's a chance that Carla Esparza pulls this off. And then like Rick said, I mean, Gaethje could, could pull it off as well. So I, I think we get to the over two and a half, uh, I, I would bet my real money on it if it was a prop
2: at a sports book. There you go, DraftKings sports book. Let's go. Let's make call it the uh, the Prince of Positivity Championship line for the next six title fights. And let me just say this: the blatant disrespect for Charles Oliveira on this program is just unacceptable. Unbelievable. And the blatant disrespect, and just the disrespect for one Glover to Shara is disrespectful as well. No one picking Glover to win. And I'm going to say this again because. Ask anybody, I have been consistent since October, since he won the title, Glover Teixeira will submit Yuri Prohashka in the first round. Done. Tap, 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 or he goes to sleep. Because Glover just needs one takedown, and the fight's over, and that is what's going to happen. I love Yuri. He's an animal, and getting that takedown is going to be very, very difficult to get. But once he gets it, the fight is over, my friends. And Glover Teixeira will not only... Not only defend his title, but he will end 2022 as the light heavyweight champion of the world. So there you go. I'm I might be wrong and you guys can roast me for it, but I'm standing by it. I ain't turning back now. Hell of a round. Love the banter, the disagreements, the back and forth. We head to the final question of regulation. Point for round three goes to. This is is easy. GC, two
3: to one. I mean, come on. That was easy money. That was easy money. You picked Aljamain <laughs> Sterling and said there's no path to, re- to victory for, for Charles Oliveira. Come on. I mean, None. You gave that, ru- you no, gave that <laughs> round away. None. <laughs> None. <laughs> no. Listen, while you're getting the tips from the real estate agent about taking Aljamain Sterling, go ahead and take another mortgage out and put it all on Gaethje at dog money if, if, if we're saying it's that much of a lot.
1: I'm oh believe me, I'm all over the dog money on Gagey. <laughs> Easy.
2: <laughs> good. Good. Oh man. Well, I know GC is uh getting where are you heading, GC? You're heading to the are you going to New Orleans? You're going to the final four? New Orleans, man. That's where I will
3: be heading tomorrow morning for the final four. Uh I was supposed to go to the one in 2020, unfortunately canceled. It was in my hometown of Atlanta. Me and the guys that were planning to make the trip, we stayed committed, we stuck to it. Now we are going to the one in 2022. Got a couple future tickets, hoping to, hoping to cash them, but uh, yeah, we'll be at the final four and then the national championship on Monday.
2: There you go. So we don't want to take up too much more of GC's time here. This is just going to be a fun question because we have no card this week. So we had to think a little bit outside the box. We are a, a quarter of the year gone. We've had countless UFC events. We've had a few from Bellator. We've had one. We just got one X, which was filled with mixing of the martial arts and even non mixing of the martial arts if we're getting our math together for this year-end conversation New York Rick, and we'll begin with you here. Who is your front runner for the 2022 Fighter of the Year and why through a quarter of 2022? Yeah.
1: yeah, this one's easy. There's there's only one answer. It's Israel Adesanya, already with the best win of the year over Robert Whitaker. uh an active champion, somebody who's intending to fight in the summer and then probably get another one or two in before the year is over. Uh it's Israel Adesanya. He's a good He's a good bet if you're if you're doing futures to do it every single year uh, just because of how active he likes to stay. Uh, now that the world's opening up a little bit more and, and he's more easily uh, able to travel, it's got to be Israel Adesanya, who, as I said, I think has the, already the best win of the year. Now he's going to rack up uh,
2: a few. It was one of those questions where New York Rooker was like, please let me go first. Let me get this out of the way. And but maybe Connor maybe connor's you know Connor. let's have some fun here you know i mean this is gonna be see in the mma fighting things we, we got a bow for five we gotta do we have a top five here so maybe someone can sneak out and this is early too but who have you seen through this first quarter that you're just like this guy is a really good chance of becoming the fight of the year at the end of the year
3: i'm not going to disagree with new york rick's pick at all i uh I waffled between taking Israel Adesanya, especially with his commitment to how many uh, more fights he's going to take in 2022. Uh, So I don't really fault him there. I wanted to go Francis Ngannou, but unfortunately, because of the surgery, we're not going to see him uh, anymore in 2022. So I finally landed to have some fun. I'm Ty Bam Bam Tuivas. I'm going to take him so far as my 2022 Fighter of the year. He is on a meteoric rise. He's knocking everybody out. He goes into Houston, gets a disgusting elbow to knock out Derek Lewis, to put him all the way up to number three in the heavyweight rankings, one spot above New York Ricks' beloved Curtis Blades. I think if he keeps doing this, he's going to get a title shot. He may even get the interim title shot his next fight. So if he keeps knocking people out, chugging beers, I'm, I'm done doubting him. I bet against him. I bet against him with Derek Lewis. I'm done doubting him, so I'm just going to assume he's just going to keep knocking people out and if he keeps doing that, then by the end of this calendar year, we very well might be seeing him as the twenty twenty two fighter of
2: the year that is a very bold pick right there, and I dig it I dig it a lot Connor. what do you think of his pick New York Rick? Do you like the tie tie pick? i mean come on
1: do i even do I even need to talk about this do i do I even need to respond to this Let, let's let's just Let's just move to the next round, please. Give, Should I go give get my, my Shui
3: Vasa? Now. Should I do a Shui Vasa on the air just to yeah, shout out, my out point to Vasa. And, and, let's,
1: and let's move on to the next round. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. not. I, Ty is not going to be the fighter of the year, as uh, great as that <laughs> knockout was. Uh, let, let's be real about what's happening here. Israel Adesanya, uh, an actual contender for fighter of the year. Uh, and uh, we'll probably pick up a few more defenses this year. So, enough said. I mean –
2: New York, Rick, in these zero-chance-this-happens these, uh, zero chance these this happens takes today. It's unbelievable. You're telling me right now, New York, Rick, if Tai Tuivasa, let's just say they book him in July, non-title fight. Let's say they give him whoever, and he gets another win. End of the year, he fights for an interim title or something like that, and he goes 3-0, three finishes, and has a title around his waist. You're telling me he doesn't have a case for fighter of the year?
1: That would be a very impressive year for Tai Tuivasa. Three wins an interim title around his waist while Israel Adesanya has three to four title defenses as the reigning and defending middleweight champion. I mean, let's just, let's, come on, come on now. Let's be serious <laughs> here for a second. It's, there's enough shenanigans <laughs> going on. Please, please, can we move
3: on? You're saying, I I was getting your disagreement because I was just making assumptions that, that Tai Tuivasa would continue this meteoric rise of his. You're saying that if Tai Tuivasa... Knocks out whoever he fights next, who's going to be a huge name, whether it be Tom Aspinall, Gan, Miocic, whoever they give him, it's going to be a monster name. He knocks them out, and then he goes and fights for a title, an interim title later this year, knocks them out, and gets a belt put around his waist. He goes 3-0, three, oh, three knockouts, interim title. He's not going to win fighter of the year.
1: Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying, because Israel
3: all <laughs> the time is right? <laughs> going
0: put crazy. together crazy
3: with this. It's not not four. If not four, it's gonna be three, bro. It's gonna be three. You know it. Yeah, more likely, more likely. It's gonna be three.
1: Um, But yeah, the king, the king. Look, when Israel Adesanya goes out there and end of year puts puts an end to this uh, Alex Pereira stuff and shows that there's levels to this game, uh, and you didn't you didn't just come to the show to beat me. uh, It's it's gonna be a statement, uh, bigger than any statement that uh, Ty is gonna make this year. Uh, All due respect. Look, if he puts that year together. I'll be the first one to do a shui. I'll I'll worship at the altar of Tai Tuivasa, but he would not be fighter of the year over the oh reigning God. defending middleweight champion Israel Adesanya, who puts together a perfect year capped by taking out his rival that everybody's been rushing into a title shot. That's the one.
2: So you're just you're just flat out already making the pick. Alex Pereira mm. beats Sean mm. Strickland. Is that what you're saying? And then we get yeah, that fight. I mean.
1: I wasn't, I wasn't (laughs) thinking we'd do the breakdown on this, but yes, I think it, I think that's a very favorable matchup for Alex. I think it's either, it's either going to be one of two things. It's either going to be a jab fest from Sean or Alex is going to show him that power and catch him probably in the later rounds. Uh, But this is the exact matchup you'd want if you're the UFC and trying to push Alex toward that title. This, this one makes the most sense.
2: 1 million percent. I completely agree with you. Meritocracy wise, the fight makes zero sense at all, but for what the UFC is trying to accomplish makes all the sense of the world because this is your number one contender fight regardless of rankings if Strickland wins he fights for the title if Pereira wins no doubt he fights for the title so we shall see all right round four we got a point to give away and it goes to it goes to New York Rick although there may be people who don't agree with New York Rick You get the point based on how well you present your arguments and Rick ain't moving. You could have drove an 18 wheeler on him and he would have kept his feet planted in the sand and not moved an inch. You would have been like Chris Rock after getting slapped by Will Smith, keeping his feet in the box, not moving at all. And I respect that New York Rick. I respect that a lot. And that means we're heading to the knockout round right now. So get those start tallying those votes. But at the same time, you got to wait for the for this knockout round because we're going to do one question. Neither of these guys know what this question is going to be. It'll be the same question, no tomfoolery, no doors or anything like that. One question, each will have 1 minute to answer. When it is done, you guys will tabulate your votes, your votes. I will waste a couple of seconds while those votes are being tabulated. We'll bring in the undefeated, undisputed getting fighter getting uh, some votes for for pound-for-pound fighter on MMA Fighting's Global Rankings, E. Casey Lydon. He will come on here and we will announce the winner. So, New York Rick, you are the Wiley veteran, so you do have the choice. You have the prerogative. Do you want to go first, or do you want to pass it on to Connor?
1: I mean, as happened when I was unceremoniously robbed last time, I will always opt to go first and drop the hammer. So bring it. Let's get this over with.
2: All right. We are just gonna, we're just going to throw it out here, New York Rick. We're just going to have some fun because UFC 273 is going down next Saturday. It is loaded. We have a six-fight main card. We have all sorts of craziness going on, some great stories, some great prospects, great title fights. we got the return of Hamza Chemaia versus Gilbert Burns. Everything you would ever want in a pay-per-view card it is on this one. But What I want from you right now in one minute or less, what is your bold prediction? For UFC 273, what is your out of the box prediction for UFC 273? If you wanna, if you wanna go on the Aljamain Sterling train, that's fine. Yeah, but I mean, I mean really convince the world. So one minute on the clock starts now.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would. It, I, I got takes for days, and unlike my opponent, I don't need Ariel around to just parrot and, and steal them from. So I got these just loaded up. Hamzat Shemaev, that's not bold, but he is going to absolutely demolish Gilbert Burns. No doubt in my mind there. Again, a no-brainer. That one's going to happen. I don't know how bold that is. The betting lines wouldn't say that's too bold. So we'll move on from that one. But book that for sure. Hamzat Shemaev is the truth. And the the people that are crying about the betting lines, oh, the betting lines are so disrespectful to Gilbert Burns. First of all, learn what betting lines are made for. Uh, It's to get equal action on both sides. It has nothing to do with who they think is going to win a fight. So cry more. But Hamza Shamayev's the truth. Second, Aljamain Sterling, I already touched on it. It's it's going to happen. And still, Aljamain Sterling, I think he looked absolutely putrid in that first fight. Terrible. Like, couldn't have looked worse. Uh, and he is going to show the world that that was an aberration. Peter Yan is not going to be expecting what Aljamain Sterling is bringing. He's going to be able to get him down. And I think he might even finish Peter Jan. Aljamain Sterling. And still.
2: Wow. I love the, I mean, listen, I love the take. I love the take. That'd be that'd be nuts. That would be surprising. No disrespect. I just think it's more I say it's surprising more so because I I I look at Piotr Jan and his skill set in such awe. I think he's so good and he hasn't even touched his ceiling yet. He's only going to get better. But man, if Alger goes out there and just runs through Piotr Jan, that would be super impressive and that would be pretty shocking. And New York Rick is very confident in this. We go over to GC. Man getting ready to travel to New Orleans for one of the best sporting events of the year. UFC two, then he has to come back and get ready for UFC 273. So UFC 273, what is your bold prediction for UFC 273? What will be the stunner, stunner take from next Saturday's loaded card? Your one minute starts now.
3: Well, unlike Rick, I'm going to disagree with him. I don't think Aljamain Sterling runs through Piotr Jan. I think Piotr Jan puts on such a great performance. Once again, impresses us, makes... Him think that we're even better makes us think that he's even better than we thought he was and moves into the top three of the pound for pound rankings overall and people start giving him the respect he deserves as one of the best fighters in the world. But my bold prediction we didn't even mention his name the hype train out of Ireland, Ian Gary. The line is getting wider and wider on this on this matchup here with Darian Weeks. I already have a bet on on Ian Gary. But I'm actually going to go bold here, and I'm going to say that the hype train gets derailed and Weeks ends up knocking Ian Gary out. We saw him get hit (gasps) in his matchup at UFC 268. I think it ends here. He gets knocked out and the hype train, gets completely derailed. Ian and Lila just recently married, don't know what to do with themselves. Wow.
2: He didn't even need the full minute. Saying Ian Gary is going to get bolted by Darian Weeks. there, There it is. Wow, some some very uh some very bold. Look t- at this guy. <laughs> this guy. He's got kids.
3: He's Hamza got the young, got a young gonna, one right now. going to win. That's what he tells us. And then he says this is a sleepy take. Hamzat is going to win. That's
2: his <laughs> bold pick. Hamzat Shamayev. Did I miss anything? <laughs> I like this is fun this is fun i have a feeling this is the first of uh of many btl matchups between these two this rivalry is just getting started ladies and gentlemen so that's the tabulation music i'm trying to waste time here new york rick taking a big yawn after that whole situation so obviously we have no preview show or post fight show or on to the next one this week because there's no card to break down or anything like that uh We do have a heck of a morning tomorrow on Twitter Spaces, 8 a.m. Eastern. If you haven't jumped on that train, it's very fun. You come in, it's very interactive, and we're just going to throw all the rules out the window tomorrow. We're just going to take calls all day, and you never know who's going to come on the show. Maybe Raging Ally Quinto will stir up a a fiery debate about open scoring, because that's what happened this week. Or what happened this morning. So you never know who's going to show up. Maybe New York Rick will show up for the third show in a row. We had AK Lee. We had Jed Mishu. We had all sorts of characters on the program this week. And if if it's too early for you, if 8 a.m. Eastern is too early for you, I get it. We throw it right up on the podcast network about 30 minutes after the show is complete. Sometimes with a little bit of bonus footage. So there you go. So the votes have been mostly tabulated. You heard the arguments. You've heard nearly an hour from the rivals New York Rick and GC. We now bring in... The judge, the jury, the executive producer, the 1-0 and o, amateur champion of the universe, E. Casey Lydon. Hello, Casey. 30-24. 30-24. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you accept that, my yeah. man.
0: <laughs> okay, let me uh, get the votes all tabulated. Get the machine going.
2: Ooh. All righty. Is so tense right now. Here we go. Your winner.
0: (laughs) (laughs) One more time. Your winner winning fifty nine percent of the votes. GC Connor Burks.
2: Whoa, 59%. GC Look comes in, gets the win. The people have spoken. Connor Burks gets it done. 1-0, change that record. 1-0. Unbelievable. Dude comes in and gets it done. I think many people would say that that was probably an upset. This is the first appearance. not easy coming on this program for the first time. And GC gets it done. The people have spoken. GC 1-0 congratulations my man you don't get money you don't get a belt you don't get anything really but you do get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about good bad and different mma whatever you want to get off your chest the floor is yours sir
3: i mean listen a, a man that's overconfident a man that's arrogant you know that's that's a weak man in my eyes we saw it on twitter we all saw the back and forth there it is there it is rest <laughs> in peace here lies new york Rick's you go let me pull up the green screen <laughs> <laughs> oh wow all we're seeing is the green screen no there we go here lies new york rick's ego rest in peace we we got it done wow. this was for all the underdogs out there this was for all the underdogs <laughs> just like Kara france
2: title shot up next sorry i had to do this to you rick <laughs> that is pretty amazing you look like a like uh, was a queen who had the the record album where you just like it's just black and then you see like the shadows of the faces. That's what that looked like. So well done, New York, Rick. Your response to the people because you can't even blame Casey for this one.
1: No, no, I I understand it. Um, it's the it's the fun vote. I get it. Um, again, and you know, I I come into these thing these things expecting. Uh, that, that justice will not be served and I was proven right once again but that's okay you know what I will keep bringing you the original takes I will keep bringing you the heat and you can keep lapping up the rest of the generic stuff wow one
3: and two under 500 now that's
2: tough (laughs) with the asterisk (laughs) 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 well there you go so what a spirited battle glad we were able to do this next week i'm not sure what's gonna happen because i will be on site in jacksonville with jose young so there'll be a lot of interesting uh things happening in jacksonville so stay tuned for that that is all i will say but we will get btl done some way somehow but you could hit the exit music casey There it is. All right, we are done. For New York Rick, for GC, the victorious Connor Burks, for E.K.C. Leiden, I am Mike Heck, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn. Probably isn't gonna take you home because she's in Dallas, but maybe you you never know on the end of the show. We'll see you next week, Between the Links. Good night, everybody.
0: This has been Between the Links. This is 3024 E.K.C. Leiden. Thank you for watching. Hit the subscribe button, leave a comment. Click the like button. I don't know. Follow us on social media. We love you.
2: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
0: The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov.